from Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. And, uh, yeah, we, we often say this with a lot of guests. I know we said it last time with uh, Hamidi Jassim, but, uh, yeah, Todd Apowski is a guy that I've wanted on this show uh, pretty much forever, and, and we've gotten around to it finally. I'll see, if, I'll see if Todd notices I'm wearing my Zen Commando necklace, which <laughs> he gave me uh, the first time I met him. I uh, had him in the studio. That was when he lived in Connecticut. He's now living in Costa Rica. And, uh, yeah, all around great guy, so I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, should should be good. Yeah, I'd like to hear his exploits. I've never met him. If I have, I don't remember. And it's so sorry, Todd, if we've met sometime. I'm getting old. But yeah, it'd be a good episode, man. Always look forward to, to veterans on. Always. I mean, I don't think you guys would have crossed paths because yeah. uh, as far as I know, like Marine Scout Sniper and then went on to, we always joke about this, the unit. And uh, <laughs> I don't even know if you ever did any contracting. So even though you guys are probably the same age, maybe he might be five, like three, five years older maybe um i don't i don't really know where you guys would have known each other so i, I doubt it yeah yeah well it's good to have him on we'll get him on man and and see what he has to say of course yeah yeah i always like i said with this necklace all the like all the cool stuff i get from veterans over the years i do keep and i don't get as much of it anymore because of the fact that we don't do the in-studio stuff but like even over here i mean i could just see i have like a challenge coin that Leo Jenkins gave me with the Rangers lead the way. And I have like the juniors uh, bullet pen stuff, which I got from um, actually gold star father and, you know, the uh, JTF two challenge coin that Jeff DePotsy gave me. So I, I always That's keep cool. a lot of this stuff. I, I was going to say last uh, episode, man, got great feedback. I'm just picking up my phone because I see the last review that we got on Apple podcasts was uh, from Kelly Keeney can't wait on pins and needles waiting for part two chris and ian bring it want to hear these lesser known stories awesome interview and uh we don't get to say it enough but like these reviews on apple podcasts that's the number one thing it raises our visibility um comments on youtube you can now leave reviews on spotify but that episode in particular and i'm not surprised got some excellent feedback and he he's incredible yeah and and our i I think he's comfortable talking to anybody but we do have a good relationship together. So I think it helps, you know, and it always helps when there's a guest and you and I know them or, uh, and, and we've had, like, just not know them, but actually have a sort of relationship with them that they open up more. And, and, uh, Hamity's just an incredible guy. And, and for those that don't know, when he talks about Haifa street, I know people talk about it and he's right. Everybody that goes to Iraq, that was the worst place in Iraq. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so spot on, but he is right. Haifa Street, especially in 2004, 2005, was a very underrated, dangerous place. And it was extremely 
volatile. And the, the funny thing is, is it's, it was right next to the green zone. I mean, you just go out, it's called little assassin's gate. It was called that for a reasons. Cause every time somebody come out, they'd get hit, but it was right there. And that was, you know, that also was a weird thing to me is it was right outside a major army unit right there, right outside the green zone, very high security. And we could never, we could never hold it. But it was right there. I mean, it was just made no sense to me that people would get killed there all the time because it was like so the U.S. Cav was right on the other side of the wall. And, and so that kind of started to open my eyes to what really war was back in that, you know, when it, especially urban warfare and then also nation building. When that's yeah. kind of like, oh, my gosh, nation building. We can't even hold an intersection that's 20 meters away from a whole division. I, I'm, I'm not figuring this out. So but but. That being said, when he said that that fight on Haifa Street, I, I knew exactly where he was talking about, and I could just picture picture them getting picked off, and and, and just the, the sheer chaos, and and also the the, the horror, man. When you're starting to hear your buddies yelling on the radio, I and how he held it together. I'm sure he was a little bit more freaked out than what he was on the show, but I, I also know uh, Hamity has a you know whenever you're 12, 12 years old and you're yeah. <laughs> and you're a POW, man. Or not even a prisoner of war, you're a political prisoner at 12. Sure. Um, I'm sure he held it together better than than most. He would have held he held together a lot better than I would have, especially at that time in my career. So just incredible. And I can't have I can't wait to have him back on too. Cause I know the story and I'm still, yeah, well, let's go. Let's, let's finish this up. I want to know what happened. So yeah, um, and that's the interesting thing too. I actually feel like it kind of worked in in I guess our favor that I didn't know the story. I know he has the book out, and full yeah. disclosure, I've never read the book. I, I actually asked him to send one, and, and I don't think he was able to. And some of the guys we have on, I'll I'll read some of their books. Some of them I've read their their whole books. A lot of people, I mean, you just don't get the time to read the book. So everything that he was saying, I, I read up in his background. I always do my homework, but. It was my first time hearing any of that. So my reaction was what you were hearing. It was, I didn't know any of that stuff. Wow. So to me, it was a remarkable story. And like I said, it probably worked out that I didn't read his book because it's too crazy of a story. And just to hear it from him in his yeah. words, I'm like, wow. And you could tell that that if you do pick up the book, there's probably more to it even than the than he's telling, even though it was very in-depth. Oh, yeah, because he served alongside the U.S. troops for pretty much the entire time that, that we were doing combat operations there. Um, uh, no, overt combat, combat operations. There's still stuff going on there. But it's it, amazing. Just the places he talked about when they're I, I I've been to all those places, too. So for me, it was, wow. Yeah, MOD, I, I know where MOD is. I know where MOJ, the Ministry of Justice Ministry, there. So he was talking about the the areas that they were walking between the camps and, and walking between where he was being held. There's a police academy. That's where we were actually were training police officers, future Iraqi police officers in that area as well. And it is very desolate. It's I could just imagine being a 12 year old. I can't, but I can. And walking through that area and just be like, I, I don't know what you shit in your pants, literally, or just in another completely another world. And the way he described it and how he held it together. That's amazing, man. That is completely, that's, that's badassery right there uh, on the next level. And, and um, so it was amazing. And I, I can't wait to have him back on to just to hear what, what other stories he can tell everybody. And he puts things in perspective, especially us Americans sure. that, that have things that we all, you know, I think we're the biggest complaining country in the yeah. world that has the most things to not complain about. And I think his story just puts should it puts things in perspective when you're having a bad day. Think of 
Hamidi Jassim being 12 yeah. years old, hung upside down in his cell, 12 years old for yeah. smarting off to a to a bath party, which that happened. I mean, I, that's not made up. That shit, there's that shit happened a lot. Um, and uh, it, you know, it just it makes you it makes me feel good that I'm you know living still living the greatest country in the world. That that sort of stuff, uh, you know, I I still will say that sort of stuff doesn't happen to that levels. So maybe it does, and I'm just still not seeing it. But I, no, I, I mean, of course, I don't think, not. I don't think it. Not. Yeah, I, I don't think it does. I, I, I just, I know there's always somebody out there. Oh yeah, this is worst case scenario. Or when all the, this is a war zone, and this we were no, this is not a war zone. This is not that kind of place. Go to those places, and they come back, and you'll see how awesome and incredible this this country is, even with all its problems that we honestly are self inflicted the majority of the time. So yeah. Awesome, yeah. awesome guy though. Even yeah. even though the truth be told, I mean, I do love this country, but you see, you're more and more guys oh. moving overseas. And I don't know if you saw that article about like Mexico is now like there's too many American tourists here. And, and I tweeted it to Leo <laughs> Jenkins, and I was like, "This is your fault." <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of like military guys right moving to Mexico, like surfing, like Leo Jenkins. And and I do think that there actually is a problem in terms of like competitiveness if you're able to work remote. You're able to live like a chick. This is a totally different subject than Iraq, yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But I'm just saying you're you're able to live a, a much more affordable lifestyle in some of these other countries yeah. where people are going, like you know Thailand and Mexico. And and I I actually do think that that's that's a pro. And and not I'm saying I meant to say Taiwan, but um you know people or Tha- Thailand. I'm, Thailand, I'm fucking Thailand. myself. You, you Thailand. got you got Thailand. Yeah, Thailand. but there's a lot of different places, you know. And, and I do think that that's actually a future uh, problem. I think in oh, terms yeah. of how bad the economy is here. But once again, when you put it into perspective with Iraq, there's no comparison. No, there's a, and you know you could live. You, you ever see what, what was it? Ro- Europe? Not, was it European road trip or was it, it was something like that? Euro trip where. It's a funny movie. It's like an animal house type. Yeah, yeah where, where they're in Croatia or ever, and they're, they have like 15 cents, but they're able to live like lavish kings. Uh, it, it was p- part where they got stuck in, in a part of Europe. It was uh, Braslava is where they got stuck in. And they're able to live like kings off 15 cents. Well, that's kind of how like, you're in Iraq when you compare the dollar to the to the Iraqi dinar, which which is there's like a thousand to one. I, you know, I, I, it reminds me of this. If you're going to go to Iraq, man, yeah, you could probably live like a king uh, in the middle of, 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 of just destruction if you want, but it, it just, again, I, I, it's a funny story that I just thought of. And obviously nobody else thinks it's funny out there. I do, No, it is. but, but, but that's why guys, and I, I honestly agree to that too. When uh, veterans and, and so forth, you know, I've, I've deployed to South, I shouldn't even say deployed. It's not a deployment. I've worked in South America and Mexico and Central America and when you go to these countries and you do see the exchange rate and how far your dollar actually does go. But and, and that's, that's that's all changing. That's changing, I too. mean, I've been yeah. seeing more and more YouTube videos of guys in Mexico saying, like, you used to go right into the town in Mexico and they would want they would want American currency for everything. From what I've heard, and I haven't been there in years, the past two years, they don't really want American dollars. It's changing. It's changing. So I see people... But I still see veterans still going over there. So I think it's until it actually does start to affect their pocketbook um, yeah. a lot. I, there's still that exchange rate that 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 is beneficial. And also they're used to living. And I say they we are used to living 
in other countries. And to me, whenever I, de whenever I deployed, whenever I worked in South America or Central America, Mexico, it felt like home. I mean, my Spanish came back too. So you really don't feel like you're deploying. You, you don't feel like you're honestly out of the, so much out of the United States. As no, you do I know what you, you mean. I've, yeah. I've been to Mexico. It's been many years, but yeah, Mexico feels almost like you're in Florida. At times, <laughs> it you know? Or South Texas. But but that, you're right. That is a problem. If our inflation and our economy still go goes into the tank, more people will move, and that takes dollars. And this is your guys that these are people that have money. Veterans have money that are going to be spending it in another country, which doesn't help our economy at all. So I I'm in agreement with you, brother. But I also see veterans still doing it, and then you know they they get away from all this. I don't know. I, I guess they feel like they're, they're getting away from all the all the political and and political dividing and division and, all, and they don't want any part of that they just want to open a bar in thailand do the rambo thing you know out there <laughs> living away from everybody maybe do an op every once in a while and then come hang out on the beach and drink a mai tai or a or a or a you know or a what's a a, a mule what's it with use tonto vodka and, and get oh a, i know you're talking about <laughs> get a moscow 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 mule but that's that's also the 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 romanticism of of being a contractor or a veteran as well at the end because that's in all war movies man that's like hey i'm getting out of this country and i'm just gonna go live in the philippines or thailand open my bar and hang out on the beach and a lot of them you know leo's not so much well that's kind of leo jenkins man and yeah, he's living the dream. leo jenkins yeah. nick batts i think still lives in mexico we never had him on but there's there's quite a few guys i know who are living that lifestyle now. Um, it's the, uh, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, the digital nomad lifestyle. You could work remotely now from anywhere. Um, but this actually uh, segues nice into the the veteran stuff going on in Florida because it does yeah. have to do with the economy, I would say. Uh, this very controversial bill out of Florida. Uh, veterans can now teach in Florida with no degree. School leaders say it lowers the bar. I've seen a lot of people giving their feedback, including veterans. I've seen a lot of veterans say they don't like this. I've seen some say they do like this. Um, so this is from USA Today. A potential solution to a statewide teacher shortage issue has education leaders feeling as though Governor Ron DeSantis' administration is undermining the qualifications of classroom instructors. Last week, the Florida Department of Education announced that military veterans, as well as their spouses, would receive a five-year voucher that allows them to teach in the classroom despite not receiving a degree to do so. It's a move tied to the $8.6 million the state announced would be used to expand career and workforce training opportunities for military veterans and their spouses. Not going to read the whole article, but um, I, I did read up on it. And it's not like they're hiring veterans yeah. who only have a high school degree. You do have to have a certain amount of college yeah. credits. Um, you do have to pass certain examinations, but you're basically um, you're basically getting through some of the longer stuff that you would have to do to get a teacher certification. So, like I said, I've seen mi mixed feelings on this. I don't know what your uh, reaction is. Uh, hey, you, you know, we always say people complain so much, but they don't offer a solution. Well, he offered he's offering a solution. Whether people like that solution or not, that's one thing. But at least as a politician, instead of just saying teachers are awful, terrible, this and that, or, or you could, people aren't working, you say, well, here's a solution I have. So I like at least there's a solution there. To me, that's a positive, positive response to the shortage. Uh, and as far as using veterans, 
for those that have served know this better, we are teachers, we're students from day one until we get into the NCO ranks and the officer ranks. And then we are teachers every day. We are teaching everything from uh, how to write op orders to having to shoot a weapon system to having to, if you're in the finance, having to <laughs> having to be an accountant and manage accounts, even though not you don't have an accounting degree. So the experience, in my opinion, as far as teaching is there. I, now I'm the dealing with the elementary school levels or the junior high levels just as a uh, teaching teaching youngsters you know that experience isn't there because I mean, at least in this country still you can't join the military until you're 17 18 years old but as far as the teaching experience do they veterans have it that's what you do that, that's what I did as a team leader you're always teaching you're always trying to pass on knowledge and in our case especially at Ranger battalion you're passing on knowledge so you have a better chance of survival when you come home. So you take that seriously. So I, I, I don't, I don't buy the complaint that, oh, they don't have the experience. Bullshit. They got just as much experience, if not more experience than a teacher. Now, not having to go through and get an educate, like get a bachelor's in education or something. Okay. I see that. All right. You're right. You know, they, they didn't have to spend the money, but if this is a solution and they can pass the tech, pass the, the, the proper, uh, requirements as far as testing to become a teacher and as far as i read that article they have to be mentored as well so you have a teacher there mentoring sure. you that's that's awesome i mean that's that's how you do it and and there's still a pass fail that maybe they still can't they still won't be able to do it because they don't maybe they don't have the have the personality to teach kids it's hard to teach kids it's hard to teach adolescents well that mentors there to make sure that doesn't happen or it does happen one or the other it screens them so I see it as a positive solution. I see the anger. I can understand the anger from teachers saying that, well, I went through all this shit. Now they don't have to. I get it. It'd be like somebody getting a ranger tab and not really having to go through ranger school, but maybe going through an abridged version. Granted, I, I, teachers might argue with me. I don't think getting your education degree at a university is different, is, is the same as going to ranger school. But, but I, I do see that. It's like, hey, why are they getting this shit when they didn't have to do what I did? Well, that's not the issue right now, guys. We're in a problem. We have an issue that we don't have enough teachers. And that's the problem. Here's a solution for it. And when I saw the mentor part in there, that's when I was like, okay, okay, I, I could go with this. If he was, if a, if a veteran was on his own doing it, didn't have anybody overseeing or supervising him, or at least helping them through the process of teaching itself, then I'd have an issue with it because it, you, you can't just throw somebody in a classroom of, of 12 year olds and say, I know you were used to be at 10th Mountain Division. You're a Sergeant Major. Here come teach these 10 year olds. That doesn't work. You've got to have somebody that can mentor you through that. So you get to get to deal with the personality. So of the kids, and it's just different. I know from teaching farms, I've taught kids and I've taught adults. It's a completely different animal, but having my mother as a teacher and my mother as a retired teacher and having there to actually mentor me to teach kids that honestly it was easy to do having a tremendous mentor right there and so i knew i knew how much patience i needed to have and you know firearms is dangerous so you gotta have a hell of a lot of patience with kids and and a lot more supervision uh oversight on them um for most for most of them and sometimes with some adults too but for most times but again i had a mentor to help me and but I'd already been teaching as a as an Army Ranger in Special Forces community, and then also as a contractor, I was an instructor uh, for many years with Blackwater, and then with the agency. So, so I, but I, I, I don't. I think this is a solution. I think this is a good solution, but I think it needs to be monitored at least six months to a year to see what's going to happen. And if it doesn't work, then you you, you cut it. But you got to do something. 
and there's plenty of work out there. Veterans need work too. Believe me, I, I, they, they keep going to foundations to pay their bills. Let's let's knock that shit off, veterans. <laughs> there's jobs out there in Florida. DeSantis has given you guys an opportunity, a tremendous opportunity. I see it. Uh, don't squander it. But again, I, I revert back to playing devil's advocate. I can see why teachers are pissed as well because the veterans aren't going to have to go through what they went through. But veterans went through something else that they didn't have to go through, which I would say is probably much harder, much more difficult, especially physically, that I think it warrants them the opportunity to, to, to become a teacher. But the end of that article there, too, where they did their little study in Florida so far, I don't think any veterans have applied to for the program yet. So, well, I think it just started. I mean, okay. all, all your points are well taken, but personally... <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, I think this is totally just a Band-Aid over a bigger problem. Um, I think teachers are not being paid enough there. That's really what it goes back to in the economy. I mean, I could tell you I have plenty of friends who have been teachers. Actually, my friend uh, TJ Bova was a uh, former Army, became a teacher. He's not doing that anymore. He's at uh, Outpost Army Range, Armory Range in uh, in Tennessee at Murfreesboro. He's a uh, yep. safety officer there now in the range. But, you know, my friend Mark, who was in the band Electrocutioner, they did that song, The Switch Is On, uh, inspired by you. But <laughs> Mark loves his job as a teacher. And why? Because he teaches at my former high school. And I can tell you for a fact, they pay their teachers very well. So he feels very compensated. The high school I went to, so many people went on to Ivy, Ivy League schools. I, I graduated with plenty of people who became millionaires, plenty of people who run Fortune 500 companies. And... Yeah, it, your taxes end up reflecting that, but at the same time, your property values go up if you have good school uh, school districts. And I just think it's a bandaid. Actually, I think this, you know, uh, DeSantis doing what he did with police officers, police officers who were unvaccinated, for example, where he said, "If you move here, not only will we we will we be able to get you a job, but you'll get a bonus for moving here." that would be way more of an incentive rather than I think this band-aid just, you know, I think there's plenty of people with teaching degrees. The question is, is it worth it? People are finding other ways of making money. And if there's a shortage, they need to find a way to bring in some of these teachers, probably from districts here. I'm in Connecticut now, and I don't really know about here, but like New York, for example, some of these higher paid teachers, they can make competitive over there and say, come over here to Florida we'll give you a better wage or we'll give you something competitive. And I'm sure plenty of people would do it. So, I mean, it's just like any other job. If there's a worker shortage, there's a reason for it. It means that the job's just not paying enough. Right. And, and Hey, raise, raise the race, raise the wages. There's five at works for me too. I, I think that's another solution. I think both can be a solution to be honest with you. And, and I think veterans would make tremendous teachers. And I also do think, you know, my little birdie in the in, my little birdie over here is also thinking. Well, are the teachers teaching elementary school transgender studies or something, or teaching that that that's indoctrination? Because Florida is a huge that's a huge argument there with Disney and all that. Is this coming into play too? And is Sant DeSantis or his advisors thinking as a veteran comes in and teaches, they are not going to be for that line of teaching? Um, does that have some play in it? I know it didn't see, see in the article. I'm just again playing devil's advocate when I read the article. Does that have something to do with that decision? I, and the only person that can answer that is DeSantis or the advisors. But yeah. to say that it may not have a part of the decision right now, I would say would be folly. I think it probably does. And that's also maybe where DeSantis says, well, screw this. Again, I'm, now I'm going on a tangent, guys. This has nothing to do with the article. It's not what he's saying. 
my brain just kind of works this way. It's just, well, I'm just thinking, well, the Santa's sitting in there going, well, man, I don't want to bring any more teachers in that are teaching this common core wokeness stuff. Well, common so core, get, there's nothing that's, you that's can do God. about that. I mean, that's no, national government. It's, bro, it's, it's, I'm just using it as an example. Yeah. That, that, that the right doesn't like, doesn't want to happen. I don't like it. Okay. I, I, but teaching the, let's just say the wokeness thing. I don't want to bring a teacher in that's it's all full of this wokeness because to me that's not teaching either. You're not being a teacher if you're teaching. Yeah, I mean, but he's kids. already addressed that. I, I mean, that's to be honest, I, I wouldn't agree because he's already addressed that in other legislation. This is totally separate legislation. Um, we do have to get to Todd though, so I want to make sure that we we talk about our sponsors here. Oh. Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue. It leaves devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. It was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters and shooters alike with the ammunition being CNC spun. The tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as at FSM.com. You can get a special discount through us when you use the promo code BATTLELINE at checkout. Um, Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline Podcast. So yeah, go there now, guys. As simple as that, FSM.com, promo code BATTLELINE. You'll also get 15% off their merch. And this show is sponsored by Bubs Naturals. Uh, Bubs Naturals is such a great uh, company, whether it's their collagen protein, their apple cider vinegar gummies, the Fountain Youth Formula, MCT oil powder, all great products. All that's all things that are going to help in your recovery and also help in your overall overall well being and health and in your fitness journey, which I know a lot of you guys listening are on. Yeah, Bubs is incredible. So is Fort Scott Munitions incredible. I'm going to go shoot here later today, but Bubs is tremendous. Got still best collagen protein out there. My joints and my back and my shoulders, I, everything have never felt better. And that's all a testament to Bubs. And the MCT oil, guys, works very well. And if you have inflammatory bowel disease, it has really, with the collagen, helped rebuild my stomach lining, helped rebuild my gut. At least that's what I feel from the inside. And I haven't any flare-ups since I started taking Bubs. And I think that's a, that's not a coincidence. That's 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 directly related to their product. So it's a tremendous product, guys. Try it. You're going to stay on it. You're going to love it. And you're going to feel better. Give it a few months to get in your system. But once it does, you'll start to feel the difference. And then your workouts and all your training is going to improve, which you're going to start. So you're going to start to see a difference as well. Best, best collagen protein company out there by far. Yeah. And they're giving back to the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation with every purchase. So you're helping yourself achieve better wellness and you're also helping a great cause. So bubsnaturals.com, promo code BATTLELINE for 20% off. bubsnaturals.com, use the promo code BATTLELINE for 20% off. Todd, you see my, uh, you see my necklace? Awesome. I love it. <laughs> this, for the listeners, I might as well just start. I mean, this thing, you really did a great job. This is like hand carved wood. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you back, man, because it's been probably over five years since I got to meet you in person. Yeah, four years, I think, 2018. Well, it's not Dude, nice to look meet at the you, background. Look at the nice background. To... There. I know, it's pretty. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, Camp Zen Commando. 
That's awesome. Where, <laughs> where are you on? So you're on the West Coast uh, coast, obviously. Are you in the coast or are you inland in Costa Rica? I, I'm inland a little bit. I'm about three miles inland from oh, the coast. That's- Oh, that's that's still the coast. I just yeah. you're. I'm in the Midwest, so you're thinking literally on the coast. Where I'm thinking on the coast, like you're 50 miles from the. Yeah, <laughs> to me, because I am nowhere near an ocean where I'm at. But that's cool. No, it's beautiful, man. That's oh, it's just, amazing. It really gorgeous. is gorgeous. Yeah, it's a great we'll, place. We'll, we'll, Love it. I was just gonna say we'll keep all of this in here because I think people like all this stuff. But I, I'm gonna give you an intro. We'll get right into everything. And, and Todd's background is just tremendous. Marine scout sniper, who yes. then became an assault commander with special missions unit. And then on top of that, competed as a natural bodybuilder, as a triathlete as well, worked in tech in Silicon Valley, and then currently running Zen Commando, your retreat in Costa Rica centered around fitness, mindset, and leadership. Before yes. we even get into your background, and a lot of this audience doesn't know your whole background, I got to tell you the story of when I had Ryan Fugit on um, and Chris wasn't on that episode because uh, you were having connection issues, but this was, I just thought amazing for people who didn't hear it. Um, Ryan Fugit, who's former CIA had you on his podcast. And, you know, a lot of people are really amazed at your background because I think it's very unique. There's not, I don't know if there's anyone else who went from Marine scout sniper to working in the unit as an assault commander. So he apparently was getting flooded with comments on your interview saying, this guy is stolen valor. He's a fake. Like, I don't know why you had this guy on. And Ryan said he started to question himself and he was, and he was talking to his contacts and they were saying, no, this guy's for real, but he wasn't sure. And he said for like a day there, he was circling around his house and he was talking to his wife saying like, shit, should I have not had this guy on? Did I get duped? Did I have a stolen valor guy on? And his wife said, you know what? Give it 24 hours let Todd, you know, tell you what's going on and we'll figure things out. And he goes, sure enough on that video, it wasn't Todd who had to respond. There were a ton of guys who responded to the troll comments and said, Hey, this is who I am. This is my background. Not only did I serve under Todd, but Todd was one of the best leaders I ever had. So I thought that was so cool that, you know, sometimes these people can't believe a background like yours because it's very peculiar. Yeah, it's different. I saw those comments and, you know, I, I had the opportunity to reply and post my DD-214. <laughs> like, I thought about it. You, know? you didn't post it, it, did you? You didn't post it, did you? No. Like, screw no. them. F- I fuck yeah. them. Oh, yeah, I, I'm just like, whatever. I just ignore. You just ignore certain things. It's, it's yeah. just like politics. I just, it's just not my lane. I ignore it. It's just distraction. So, and uh, the truth always comes out. Yeah. The truth yeah. always comes out. Well, and, and for our listeners to, to know that, yeah, the, the unit takes on anybody. It does, it's for you guys, anybody. I, I, I've actually, yeah. even, the, even the two unit guys that came to Benghazi, one was a Marine. He was a, he was a for, former, I'm going to say former Marine just to give Marine shit because I know I'm going to get trolled for that. But, but <laughs> well, and, and, and being in the Army and being in SOCOM for a little while myself, you know, that's just, I don't think people really know that though, unless, unless you're in, unless you're part of special operations and because they, they attribute the unit with the army, which is not the case. Anybody can join the unit. It doesn't make a difference who you are. Sure. And it's ever changing too. Yeah. And they keep their things close hold. Yeah, yeah of course. With how they screen yeah. and their assessment. And that, that's what makes and breaks them is their assessment and selection. Yeah. Of course. The screening process. Yeah, it's one of the finest recruiting 
assessment and selection, uh, newbie orientation programs I've ever encountered. That's funny. Newbie orientation. That's Marine Corps boot camp. Marine Corps does a pretty good job too. Well, well, you know, Todd, for for our listeners, and some know you, some may not, but yeah, can you start just because obviously we want are going to want to have you on again, so we may not get to everything we want to this time, but. Just can you start from the beginning? And because we always get we get a lot of new people that want to join the military and just what your thought process was before you went in, or are you even thinking like me, I wasn't even thinking. I just got duped to going in. But were were you thinking? And then once like I said, the Marine Marine Corps boot camp, that yep, that that is just a story in itself, it, especially the time you went through, because I know you're about 30, 35 years old. So uh, yes. So, <laughs> But, but would you mind going through that a little bit? And if you have like any any traumatic or not traumatic stories, good stories, trauma, traumatic, can yeah, you tell us? Absolutely. And again, thanks, folks, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, it's an honor. Honor. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. So I grew up in Connecticut, New England, in uh, central Connecticut, blue-collar blue family. Uh, my parents were second generation on my dad's side uh, from Poland, mother's side German. And I grew up in a very strict environment, Eastern European type. And my parents, they had me older in their life. They had five kids. I was the youngest. So my mom was 43 when she had me and my dad was 47. So definitely one of those oopsie babies. (laughs) I had all I had two older brothers two older sisters and my mom had her first child when she was 15 so my my parents uh they were were young parents they had five kids never went to school they they grew up during the great depression time frame my dad was in world war ii he fought in germany battle of the bulge wow left left the war came back to connecticut and went to work in the factories. The, where I grew up in central Connecticut, there was a lot of manufacturing at the time. <clears throat> Textile mills. The town I grew up in was known for its silver smithing uh, utensils. It was the silver city of the world, they called it at one point in time. So that's how they met. They met in the factory and they had their kids. I came uh, later during their time. So I, I, I grew up by older parents who themselves grew up in the Great Depression. So they bestowed a lot of their values sure. and work ethics on me. And I share with people, I, I learned how to work. I learned grit. Uh, I, I learned discipline. And uh, all things are possible. Yep. That's what they imbued upon me is that anything is possible. Work hard, give it your best shot, and you can attain anything you want in life. And my brothers were examples of that when I was growing up. They were both older than me, and I was the runt in the family. All my, my, all my siblings are like six feet. You know, I'm 5'8". I'm like, uh, <laughs> but things happen. Things happen for a reason. And I think in high school, in sophomore year, when I stopped growing, that's what I was playing basketball and baseball and realized I had no hope in basketball, no future. So I started looking weights and I became a meathead and I went to technical school and uh, senior year in high school, 
I had some options. Well, not really. I, I wanted to go to further my education into higher technical school because I went to a trade school. I come from okay. a line of carpenters, but my mother, my parents didn't want me to take carpentry because at the time there really was no money in carpentry. Okay. My brother was a carpenter and all, all the trades people that were making money, the plumbers, electricians, air, condi air conditioning mm -hmm. repair people, you know, carpentry, there wasn't a lot of money in that. And so I took drafting, machine drafting. Wow. Senior year, uh, I, I was lifting weights, bodybuilding. I got into lifting weights sophomore year. And, and competitive bodybuilding, right? Competitor, As a natural competitor. Yeah. Competitor. Yeah, there were a lot of meatheads where I went to school. There were gear nuts, <laughs> it was technical. Education was not an emphasis. It was just jacking steel, being as big and as tough as you can be. That was that. Yeah. Yeah. And me being the smaller guy, I, I had to lift the most amount of weight, just be a big guy. So one day, and, and I it was in the 80s I grew up, time of Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. Conan, yeah. Yeah. Muscle and Fitness, Soldier of Fortune. Yeah, yeah you're just around this testosterone, you're seeing it. <laughs> and it feeds, it feeds. Yeah. In my neighborhood, we were pretty... To today's standards, I grew up in a violent neighborhood, I guess. You know, we, we played football, like football. <laughs> on the street, yeah. On the street. It started out as Nerf football, it, but then you end up tackling each other and yep. people banged up. And, uh, but yeah, it was game on. Yeah. So I, I was competing as a bodybuilder, hitting the gym every day after school, going to work at night. And one day, when I, on my way to the gym, I walked by the recruiter's office. <laughs> lo and behold, <laughs> lo and behold, the recruiter's office was right next to the fitness center, right next to the gym I belonged to. And I never paid it any attention. I'd walk by it every day, maybe two years since I was a sophomore. I'm a junior now. And I'm walking by this recruiter's office, never paid it any attention. And I saw this poster, caught a glimpse of this poster, and two meatheads coming out of the ocean with twin 80s, two <laughs> and these mini machine guns in you, their chest. Yeah, you fell, you fell for it, man. You fell for it right there, just like they the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. They suckered me. And it had one word, Marines. You know, mouth <laughs> open. I'm licking the window. I reach for the doorknob. I walk in. Walked by the arm, uh, army's, uh, it was a long hallway. Okay. Long hallway. The army was right up front. Probably the most elegant office, huge office. And then the air force, <laughs> nice office, Navy, nice office. And the Marine Corps at the end the of this hallway. They had the janitor's closet. closet. Yeah, it's they like had the janitor's closet. closet. <laughs> janitor's closet, a field desk. <laughs> that's hilarious and a, full, a couple foldable chairs and the, the recruiter was in there and uh it was a black guy black recruiter staff sergeant and he was ripped the guy was just a hulk he was sitting at his desk and he, he was pretty intimidating and he he said what do you want why are you here <laughs> and i asked him about the poster in the window and he said oh shut you can't that, that marine recon <laughs> that's the baddest mofos of the most elite fighting organization in the world 
I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up right now. I want to be with those guys. Sign me up right now, right now, man. That's right now. So that's how it went down. I took the, I took a test, you know, handwritten test. But the as the as the ASVAB, right? Is that whatever what it was. Whatever what did you have to take? I don't. I don't. Maybe in the Marines. Maybe you threw you something something else. Maybe y'all had to do something. You threw me some math paper and some crayons. Simple <laughs> 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 math. And I went home. And my parents had gotten home from work at this time. And my mom was in the kitchen. My dad was in the backyard reading the newspaper. That's what he, he every day he'd come home from work and he'd go in the back on the back stoop, read the newspaper. And I told my mom, I said, Hey, I I'm joining the Marines. And she looked at me with like, what just happened? <laughs> this is the last thing we ever had thought. And she started to tear up. My mom was unemotional, zero emotion. I never saw her cry. Never. She never complained, whined. She just made it happen. Total alpha female. And it was the first time I saw her get teary-eyed and like, well, my, she's, she's going to lose her son to war. I mean, she, she grew up in a time of great yeah. depression, yeah. saw World War II, saw Korea, saw Vietnam. You know, my brother grew up in the 60s. He dodged Vietnam. He went up north. And uh, we, we talked about that and, you know, that was his choice and I don't yeah. hold that against him, but my mom looked at me, she's like, well, go tell your father what you just did. So I went back and I told my father and he looked at me and he said, you damn stupid. <laughs> yeah, you know, what, what are you thinking? Apparently you're not. And he said, whatever you do. <laughs> Whatever you do, I'll give you one piece of advice. Do not go infantry. <laughs> oh, there you go. And so that's where you're going. No, as a parent, he did he 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 mind fucked you there too. He he wanted you to go infantry. That's why he said don't go infantry. Don't man. go infantry. <laughs> but he, he didn't mean that with his sure. heart and soul. Sure. Because I I you know he suffered a lot. And at the time growing up, I didn't realize it, but because people of that generation, they, 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 they hid their feelings. There was weakness. And he showed me, he never talked about World War II, but I know he experienced a lot of things yeah. and he carried that with him back, but he, he, he dealt with it. So I went in the Corps and Marine boot camp, not knowing really what I was getting into. You know, just from what I saw in Heartbreak Ridge, you know, Gunny Highway. Gunny Highway. <laughs> recon. I know I wanted recon, the elite of the elite. I wanted to scuba dive, jump out of airplanes, uh, travel the world. Yeah. I, I, we all, as kids, we always played Army, Cowboys and Indians. We were some pretty active kids, but I, I really didn't realize what I was getting into. So, sure. Uh, went through Marine boot camp and Marine boot camp was amazing experience. Uh, I, I think the Marine Corps from day one, and, and I can't speak with the other services. Sure. You know, I've been to U.S. Army Ranger School, which for me is the best school I've ever been to education wise. Yeah. It's the number one school um, I've ever been to. But Marine Corps boot camp 
from the get-go, day one, they teach you leadership and teamwork. They instill into you how to be a leader. They give you uh, classes on how to be a leader. They give you these principles, these traits, JJ did type buckle. There's an acronym for everything. (laughs) And you memorize these things. And I thought it was great because they break you down. They shave your head. They make you all look alike. And you're all recruits at that point. You're not a Marine until you graduate. So you're just a number. I was roster number 42, uh, recruit. And we were all Marines. We had one color. Yeah. We were all green and everyone was equal, equal. And they teach you leadership and teamwork and relying on one another. And then all the, all those foundational skills and they do an amazing process. And I I think, and I am a little bit biased towards Marine boot camp. Then you graduate and that's when you earn the title United States Marine and you're like just pissing vinegar. You're, you're ready to take on the world. Iwo Jima, you name it. You're there. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Everyone is just highly motivated. And then you go on to your secondary school. And in my case, it was infantry school. And that was another couple months. And I had an opportunity during the MOS training, infantry training school, the recon recruiter came. They, you know, they, they came to uh, the infantry, basic infantry course, and they were looking for candidates to screen for recon. And I knew I wanted to go to recon. So I signed up and the, the, the test, the indoctrination was on a weekend. It was on a Saturday. So that was one step. They, they held it on a Saturday, which I thought was pretty smart. Because during infantry training school, you get weekends off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you show up on Saturday, <clears throat> that's kind of like, okay, you know, this guy's got a little bit of, you know, heart in him. He want, he's he could be on liberty right now, drinking yeah. and chasing skirt. But I went to the in-dock and it was early morning and they picked us up in a bus, took us to Mainside, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, to the Force Recon <clears throat> headquarters went into the office and there was a staff sergeant sitting behind the desk and we were all all in line and I was one of the first ones to go in and I went in and he had my record book and he's looking at it and there's not much in my record book at that time (laughs) I I did graduate top of my class and recruit training so I had that going for me but whatever (laughs) Uh, but he's looking at my record book my medical book and I'm, I'm there in front of him and he was squared away guy. He was an E6. Sure. Uh, his uniform was well dressed, uh, spit shine boots at the time. We still had spit shines at the time. The guy was just very articulate, very professional, just different from the Marines I'd met up until that point. I knew he was a professional. Like this guy knows his stuff. It's how he was carrying himself. His so he wasn't screaming. He wasn't screaming. He yelled at you, but, he, knew screaming, that, but, but just, he didn't. He didn't have to because his demeanor. Yeah, his demeanor was intimidating enough. It yeah. was. Un- yeah. I was uncomfortable because yeah. that was the first time I'm in this environment. <laughs> yep. 
I'm like, whoa, he's not yelling at me. I'm like, <laughs> but his, his first, he looked at my record book and he asked me, it's like, all right, here's your first question. How do you spell reconnaissance? <laughs> and it's not recon. <laughs> I want the full version. <laughs> and I'm there at attention or prayed rest. I think I'm a prayed rest at this time. Somewhat at ease. I wasn't at ease. But I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My eyeballs are still looking at his chest. I, I'm like, R, E, C. Is there another C? <laughs> How many? And I just, S's? Yeah, I, I just know recon. I didn't know it was reconnaissance. <laughs> and again, academics was not impressed upon me growing up. It was just hard skills. Up until sure. this point, it's just been hard skills. You know, hammering, cutting wood throwing dirt bombs at one another. Yeah, one another. dirt bomb, dirt Telling <laughs> USMC. <laughs> so I got to recon and I, I spelled it wrong. And he said, all right, you failed. Get back on the bus. And I just, I, I gazed at him mouth and eye. He's like, one of the basic things we need here is a trained observer that's what we're looking for obviously you're not going to make a well-trained observer because it's written right above me it was like holy shit that's awesome (laughs) i'm 19 years old i've been dreaming of this for three years being recon so i went back to the bus and licking my wounds and an hour later, he comes back out he's, he's, and he says, all right, you get another chance. Get in here. So I went through the process and then got to the physical part. And it culminated in a 10 mile. It was a pretty good indoc, indoctrination for what they had at the time, how they were screening uh, individuals. But I got to the last part and it was a 10 mile force march, 45 pounds. I fell out. I I couldn't finish it. I failed. I just wasn't, my body just wasn't conditioned to hike that long, a 10 mile high. I'm still a boot. We haven't done anything like that. Maybe 20 pounds, maybe in in boot camp, we did some miles, but this is four hours. It was, we've already done a PFT. We've already done the run, the swim. They've already beaten us down. Obstacle course times three times, whatever. And now we're doing this 10-mile ruck run. And I, I, I fell out. I just bonked. Yep. Got back on the truck, went back <clears throat> to uh, School of in- Infantry, finished training there. Then I went to the grunts, to the infantry, 2nd Battalion, 2nd Marines, did my time in the infantry uh, for about a year. Then I transitioned over to a sniper platoon sniper platoon and uh that was a great experience i went to sniper school learned how to become an observer (laughs) got it (laughs) how to become a trained observer and a trained gunman a marine sniper which at the time yeah we're we're still living off of carlos hathcock yeah uh his legacy from vietnam the united states marine corps scout sniper program probably one of the finest in the world. One shot, one kill at a thousand yards to graduate that school. You know, it's some, it's 
high achievement. It was a very in tough school, challenging, stalking. And I learned the importance of attention to detail. I, I think that's one of the key takeaways from being going through that type of training, sniper training, attention to detail, from not only shooting a rifle, but just movement, being deliberate, stalking, hunting. Yeah. It's a hunting school. It really is. Wow. You know, and you're you're being trained to hunt human beings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the ultimate hunting school. And it, it was an incredible course. And I finished that, went back to the scout uh sniper platoon and then i trained i, I screened again for force recon you know nice. by this time i had a couple of years underneath my belt and i was more mature i was an nco at this time non-commissioned officer yeah yep. and they were looking you know reconnaissance they they look for more mature individuals they really want maturity and we can go later and, and talk about this maybe about how I'm not so much as signing up and going right into reconnaissance. You know, there's programs now where you can go right into reconnaissance right mm. off the street. Yeah. Uh, they have those programs. Same with being special forces. There's some, yeah, they, they do. They have the, alf, the, yeah. The, well, the with reconnaissance. That's always bothered me because for me, I believe there's a level of maturity. One, you, you that's required that you can only gain through experience to be a, a recce guy and that's something i saw at the at the unit is that the the recce uh guys were the most seasoned the most experienced they had already done their time in the in the uh, assault teams okay now they're yep. doing recce because they know maneuver they know what to look for they know how to report they know what to look for as a direct action. Sure. Yep, yep. So uh, I, I, I believe and strongly think that you need a certain type of maturity to be a reconnaissance Marine. By this time, I have maybe four years in the Marines. I, I screen, I pass this time. Uh, I knew what was coming. I, I, better, I conditioned myself better. And then I did my time, Force Reconnaissance Marine. Uh, I was there for five years, six years, 91 to 97, did a couple <clears throat> tours, three tours, perhaps de deployments with second force reconnaissance, great experience. Uh, the, the leadership I had, the NCOs, amazing, amazing individuals. Oh, that's the greatest leadership I've had has been non-commissioned officer leadership. And I'm grateful for that. Mind you as well, I, I was fortunate because I'm, I, I'm a product, I would say, of Vietnam guys. There were still a lot of Vietnam folks in the military when I came in. Sure, so sure. the emphasis at the time was mastering the basics, patrolling, shooting, reconnaissance, basics, basics, basics. PT, we PT every day. It was important, you know, we, we, I was challenged every day by, by non-commissioned officers, E5 sergeants leading teams. My, yeah. my platoon sergeant was a staff staff sergeant with 17 years in the Marine Corps and he's six. 
you know, pr- promotions back then were slow. You know, that's you a lot. Know. That's a lot of years. That's a lot that's of years lot to of not years. get not get your seventh. And yeah, bro, bro I, I want you to keep going. I just wanted to ask you. I don't want to break you off there, you know, because I do understand the X-ray program with the SF guys. The SF babies is what we call them. And I had one on when I was with the with IT group, and and I, I, I agree with you there. I, I don't think it's made it it's made the the units stronger. To be honest with you, I, I completely agree. You, you've got to have. Do, that that background and that to get that trial and error and, and to get that and just earn the right to go to those schools do you think it's made it weaker you think recon's gotten weaker because of that or stronger and this is your opinion so i'm you know the deal people are going to disagree with you they're going to agree with you but i think it has made sf a little weaker i, I do not that there aren't good guys that have come out of the x-ray program right but but more times than not the experienced guys just, just, you're right. Just the knowledge base, knowledge base, leadership. That's the most important aspect of it. Leadership. You you need to have experience to be, that's leadership. Yeah. You need to have the education and the experience. And when you come off the streets, 18 year old, you go to this recon pipeline. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you this. I know I've been out of the military for eight years now, nine years from the time I went in to reconnaissance when I was a young lad to when I left the reconnaissance community and the program grew by leaps and bounds. Yeah. So I give them credit there. You know, they've done a phenomenal job. Uh, they still recruit from my understanding, a lot of folks from off the street and from what I witnessed, from what I saw, uh, when I went back to the Marine Corps after I did my time at Fort Bragg, I, I was in a, in a training cadre and we were responsible for preparing Marines to go overseas. And we would put the reconnaissance teams through the uh, CQB package, the, the reconnaissance package. We, we prepare these guys to, to deploy with these amphibious Marine expeditionary units. And I saw a lot of, a lot of young guys platoon sergeant gunnies gunnery sergeants e7s with 10 years in with 10 years in and to me that they pretty much were the fourth team leader you know they're they're real there was a fine line you know when i grew up when i when i was coming through reconnaissance if i called my platoon sergeant by his first name (laughs) that that would have never happened (laughs) that would have never happened is that happening in the Marine Corps now? That that seals an SF, but that is that happening in the recon now? Yeah, well, I, uh, wow. Like I said, I've been out for eight years, but it was getting a little bit loose. I saw it, wow. you know, in, in certain environments, and that comes out of discipline and accountability. Yeah, I agree. Well, there's a there's a time and place. I agree. But, yeah. Uh, you know, you have a you have a ten year uh, gunnery sergeant. Maybe he just finished being a team leader. And because there's no one to fill a certain, that position, they bump them up from team leader to platoon sergeant in the same platoon, you know, where he, where his comrades, he's leading his buddies now. When I was in the infantry, when you got promoted, when you became a corporal, they moved you to a whole nother platoon, you know, so you're not working with the same people. You know, so you're you're better able to lead a different group of people. But 
there was some, I, I think the going back to the maturity thing, uh, there's something to be said about having seasoned guys experience being reporting, collecting information, knowing what to look for, being able to report it back and not compromising yourself on the objective. Compromise is not an option. And I saw a lot of these young folks, especially nowadays, we live in a day and age where it's five seconds. I mean, information, we don't, patience is a lost art. (laughs) Tactical patience is a lost art. That's something, and that's a quest I've been on. And that's where Zen Commando Solutions comes into play is slowing ourselves down. Because there's so much going on up here, the monkey mind. Yeah. And being in infantry, you need to be deliberate. You need to be calculated. You need yeah. clarity of thinking. Yeah, yeah. There's no reconnaissance. You're, you're going, you're jumping behind enemy lines, parachuting, and you can't afford to get compromised. You got to take your time. And it's attention okay. to detail. Well, that's where the stalking comes in. That's where that's what should be teaching. And again, I I didn't go that. I didn't. I don't have the patience. I I don't have the patience to be in a state platoon or be in a scout sniper platoon or to be a ranger sniper. I and I knew that on myself. So I was like, nope, machine gun, then put me on a team, yep. and I'll start. I I yeah. just want to kick indoors. I I yeah. don't have that patience. And you're right. That patience is is a is a discipline that. You, you, you do have to have some base into it. You do have to have a little bit of it already from the get-go. And I never had it growing up anyway. So it might even doesn't matter how many times my mom whooped my ass for not paying attention. It didn't matter. I didn't have it. But then you have to, it comes even more so when you go to your, your training. And, and you're right. That is a hard thing to, to have. And you have to have maturity to have it. But you just have the, the discipline that comes with it. So, you know, seeing them now and, and I, you know, don't, you don't need to badmouth anybody. I'm not asking that. I, I've seen my differences in the, in the Ranger units as well, but um, they've lost, they have, they lost the discipline. They still have the tactics. They still have the ability physically. Now kids are even stronger than we were growing up, but is that the discipline that's, that's, that's lost the lost art, I guess I should say in the new units, since we have, well, since we have so much access to this shit now, this, this yeah. technology. I think just writ large on a macro level, the military in general, I'm not even going to address reconnaissance or special operations. People don't fail. Leadership fails, period, bottom line. I I took that from one of my readings before Vietnam reading where the author is like, you know, the, the United States didn't lose the war in Vietnam in Vietnam. They lost yeah. it in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Now, civilizations don't fail. Governments fail. Yeah. And you can apply that to, le- I apply that to leadership. That's it one is. of my things. People don't fail. Leadership fails. Parenting, church, community, business. And it goes back to leadership principle. Set oh, the okay. example. So I, I, going back to your question, the discipline thing, I think overall the military has lost some sort of discipline the standards have been reduced yes i I was home i I, i've lived in costa rica for four years now i go which is wild by the way i met you when you were still i'm currently (laughs) in connecticut i met you when you were still in connecticut right and and i do want to make sure we get into zen commando yeah yeah, yeah. getting back into what you were saying now 
yes, I so I went back and there was a military base, a uh, Navy base, <laughs> submarine base. And I, I would go there and lift weights uh, there. And you just look around at how folks carry themselves, yeah. how service members carry themselves, how they address one another, how they address civilians, uh, how, how they wear their uniform. You could, draw, you could tell a lot about an individual by how they carry themselves, how they, especially in the military. Yeah. That's why I, th- I thought in, in the Marine Corps, when we, we, we used to be spit shine, you know, in garrison, the 82nd, you know, army, you know, Rangers, when you're in garrison, you're, you're dialed in, man. Yeah. You got spit shine boots. Your haircut is fresh. There's something to be said about those attention to details. Hey, Starts you have an iron pendant on your shirt or you have a nose hair. What's wrong with you? <laughs> go, go beat your boots. You know, th- then we went to these uniforms that you don't have to press these boots. You don't have to polish it, You know, we got away from these, cer- from these certain essential basics. You're right. You're right. And, and it, it, it builds pride in the individual. Yes. This was a pain in the ass to spit shine. My starch and spits I always had to have a set of starch and spits ready to go always. And it did take away from that but pride it, that I felt when I had it was it. those little things yeah. that you could tell. Yeah. That kid's got heart. You yeah, know, he's there. Yeah. He's consistently squared away. Yeah. yeah. Now that doesn't always transcend into the field, but into the bush, but majority of the time, from my experience, working with the finest infantry soldiers in the world and two of the best infantry uh, infantry soldiers I've worked with are our British friends, the Brits, phenomenal infantrymen. Yeah. And the Aussies, you know, the yes, Australians. Yes. They're just world-class infantrymen. The basics, camouflage, continuous. No one has to tell them, hey, you need a camouflage, mate. Put some paint. No, it's just like second nature. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, and, and when they go, they leave the field. I, I worked with them and they would, they would leave the field the same as they would go in. Yeah. The camouflage was continuous action. And you know, it's the same. I want to make sure uh, I I want to make sure that we get into what you're doing with Zen Commando, as I said, because the last time I spoke with you with my previous show, this was kind of a dream. But what I was going to say prior to that, I want to make sure we get into the unit as well, because right now we've gotten into all the Marine stuff. Uh, I I think people will want to hear your experience in, you know, what we always need to call the unit. But people know what we're talking about. (laughs) The unit. I I, I strained. There was an opportunity that came up. There was actually a point in time, 1996, I wanted out of the Marine Corps and I was going to go the SF route. I was going to get out and enlist into the Army. That was my option. Get out of the Marine Corps. I had two options. Get out of the Marine Corps, go SF or stay in the Marine Corps, go officer route. I ended up staying in the Marine Corps, going the officer route. Cool. Uh, went to school, became an O. Fast forward, there was an opportunity to screen for uh, the unit. I heard about it. I got a phone number for the recruiter or it was an email. 
I, I called him up. He's like, give me your email. He sent me all this paperwork, did the paper uh, process and went through the screening and assessment, which was about a year long process. Okay. They're screening and selection from start to finish. It's about a year long. And it's a series of different types of assessments, uh, paperwork, interviews. And then you can take the assessment itself, the three-week uh, assessment in uh, the, the remote location they have. And that's just, uh, you know, navigation, movement, PT yeah. on steroids. So I got invited to go to that. Uh, I sustained a severe injury during, during, during A&S. So yeah, I, I tell folks, their assessment and selection, it's one of the finest assessment and selections in the world by far because they're screening. They, they've been doing it for years since 1978. They've been, they know the type of pers person they're looking for. They have it dialed in. They know the exact characteristics, traits that they want in an individual. And it's modeled off the, the British SAS. Sure, sure. And, oh, and the British model is, is like, hey, we want individuals. We want individual problem solvers that have the discipline to work as a team. That made sense to me. So I, I sustained an injury. And when you're going through assessment selection, it's designed to where you're going to face a wall. You're going sure. to come across the obstacle. Everyone's going to come to this wall, whatever it may be. It could be mental. It could be physical. It could be emotional. It, it, and you're going to question yourself and you're, and you're going to, you're going to go, okay. <laughs> um, the Q word is going to come up, you know, Q U I T. And you're going to think about that, about tapping out. And in my case, it was a physical injury. I rolled my ankle. I was, I was running cross country. You, you have a heavy pack, 60 sure. pounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I rolled my ankle. I shook it off. I rolled it again. I rolled it four times in one hour. Ow. And I came short. <clears throat> I came short to an RV where I had to check in to get my next mm -hmm. point. And I, I stopped about 200 meters from the RV. And I took a, I took a pause. I did a rucksack flop, broke out my water, and I thought about going in and just set, tapping out at that time. I spent probably 45 minutes just going through this. It was the first time ever in my life that I thought about ringing the bell of Q-U-I-T-T-I-N-G. <laughs> first time. And... I was trying to justify it. I was actually yeah. trying to justify it and say, yeah, an injury, that's okay. That's justifiable. That's an, that's an honorable way. That's an honorable way out, right? That's, that's, honorable what you think. Way. that's an honorable way out. Yeah. To fall on your sword, you know, <laughs> yep. they won't front and, and you might get invited back and get another chance. You know, that's cool. And, that, and at the time I was reading Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield about the Battle of Thermopylae, yeah. 300. Wow. And I took that book with me as motivation. And I would read that at night. Uh, when you had time, I, I would read Gates of Fire for inspiration. And I'm there contemplating on whether to tap out or not. 
and I, I have a sprained ankle and it's pretty swollen. And at this time I'm wrapping gorilla tape yeah. around it <laughs> and I'm popping Motrin because that's what we go to Motrin and moleskin. Mo- it's like hurt yourself here. Put some moleskin on your head. <laughs> Five crayons, moleskin and 10 Motrin. 10 Motrin. You're good to go. Yeah. yeah. Good to go. That's so awesome. I, I thought of gates of fire. I thought of the Spartans. I'm like, you know what? A Spartan would not, tap out over a hurt ankle put your ruck back on get your ass up walk over to the rv and get your next point so i talked myself into getting up you know getting out of the fetal position i took my thumb out of my mouth i walked over got my <laughs> next point it sucked my yeah. my it, it was 40 minutes mind you I just wasted 45 minutes. Yeah, you're, you're on a time. And people, you're on a time, and time man. Everything yeah. there. That's the state. Everything's timed. Yeah. Everything is timed. And there's no gaming. You have no clue what assessment and selection is about. You, you, there's no, you don't know how they're gauging you, how they're timing you, test. You have no clue. You just know that you need to give it your best. Everything. Every activity, every event, whatever it may be, you have to give it your best. And you're always under observation. Even when you're sleeping, you're just constant. So um, I made it through. I passed. I did the long walk at the end. That that was tough with an injury. Uh, You know, the 40 miler, everyone, I think we all know about the 40 mile at the end. That's the long one. And, you know, I finished that and, uh, Past selection, then I went through the advanced training. Uh, I got invited to go to the, the training course after where sure. you go and learn how to be a basic uh, uh, operator. <clears throat> and then I graduated that and went to my, went to my squadron. That's awesome. And I think it was maybe two weeks after finishing the training course, I, I was overseas in Iraq. So was it, this was early 2000 that, that this was going this on? This was 90, 98 at the time. 98, okay. I took gotcha. selection fall, 97. So I'm at the unit. Oh, forgive me. No, no, no. Forgive me. 2007. Okay, gotcha. Oh, gotcha, wow. gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. 2007. I lose track of time here. In <laughs> no, I bet you do, man. <laughs> uh, so That's 2007, for, I took selection. 2008, and I, I would imagine I'm I'm just thinking you must be competing against guys significantly younger than you if it's 2000. Oh yeah, I was I was an old cat in training course. I was I've already had 20 years in the military at this yeah. time. Wow, wow! But all these guys are there were some young ones in there. You know, one of my mates went was in Benghazi with you, uh, yep. great great marine, and uh, uh, but yeah, they were all young guys yeah but but the unit so is that is that is that tig you're referring to or no no the the delta guy there was a delta the guy that came in he was he looked young really he was a young, young. Guy. he was he's... very young when he got selected okay he, i unit. could i didn't think when i saw his face 27 i thought maybe he was yeah. 20 you know i'm 40 all of, of us were 40 guys. Yeah. he was one of the youngest guys yeah. Uh, yeah. candidates to get selected and uh you know Again, the, the organization, the unit's screening for a certain personality. It's not just physical. Yep. You know, 
uh, yeah, I don't know what they were looking at me. I, I think they felt, you know, Marine officer, let's give this guy a try. <laughs> let's see. What's you know, like a charity case, maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but I got, I finished the, the training <clears throat> course and I get immediately assigned to the, my squadron and game's on. The game is on. You know, there's no, it's sink or swim there. There's no coaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, you're, you're good. <laughs> it's game <laughs> on. You know, there, there's zero margin for error at the unit. And before I got to my assigned squadron, uh, my, my officer mentor, phenomenal Army officer, I, I, I had some great Army mentors, officers, and enlisted at the unit. Amazing individuals. Amazing folks. You didn't work with CJ Dugan, did you? Did you know that, guys? We're going to have no. on. I, I forget which squadron. I just, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just totally going off. But I know tangent. Dutch Moyer, Chris Moyer. Oh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, Dutch first, Dutch yeah. first bat. Yeah, I know him yeah, when he was. Yeah, first bat guy. When he was first, yeah. one of my buddies, Andy Phipps, was on his team with. Now, I, I know, yeah, I know no, Sergeant Rangers. I love Rangers, man. <laughs> I, I, I just don't say that, but, you know, Rangers are like jarheads, man. Yeah, they just want to yeah. break things. They're Is a little it, bit more precision like but they're just pissing <laughs> and chris is one of those guys you know and I, and I went to i would say i went to the squadron which was pretty ranger intense uh they recruit have i mean they do recruit heavy there and i think that's were, just because tactics. of yeah basics they, yeah basics Bas are hammered yeah yep, basics are hammered yeah. and that's why i loved ranger school everything was to here's a task standard condition yeah yep. standard condition task that's i took that away from ranger school you know it was an yep. amazing school i learned so much weaponry machine gunnery more it was just amazing and you learn basics and so my officer mentor he, he told me before i went to my assigned squadron he said there's three things that will make or break you here at the unit as an officer because officers there have a different role compared to an enlisted sure operator we're not door kickers you know officers our responsibility is to resource and synchronize the the mission sure resource and synchronize make sure you you get the you get the boys from infill you, you get you cover it all you make sure they're set up for success sure you know you provide them with every tool imaginable to set them up for success if they need something you get it to them so officers that's what we do there that's and huge responsibility huge, huge responsibility, responsibility. Man, huge responsibility and you're also interfacing with uh you do a lot of uh interfacing with other agencies too yeah yeah you're doing a lot of traveling <laughs> this and that yeah. you know because, because the guys the operators they're fighting they're blasting and they're PTing. that's what they do all day you know they're they're hitting the gym they're hitting the map they're shooting targets they're blowing things up and they're doing that and they're rehearsing time and time again. My officer mentor, he said, Hey, there's three things that will make or break you here as an officer, your competency. Okay. That's a no brainer. Your Literally, competency. Yeah. yeah. You know, Cause that's your credibility. Can you get the job done Two, your integrity? And we, we know the value of integrity, yeah. not just on the officer side, but all throughout, but, you know, people fall. Warriors yeah. fall on their sword. There are times where you, where you fall down and you, you do 
And I, I, I've been a uh, integrity violator in my life and I'm not proud of it, you know, but I've learned from it. Yeah. Yep. And it was a mistake. And I had a support network to correct me and I wasn't a repeat offender. That's that. If you keep making that same mistake, that's when you're a fuck. That's when you're fucked up. That's when it's time to learn from the mistake. Don't do it again. Be a better person. You're out of here. Yep. yep, Interestingly, interestingly, the unit doesn't tolerate one mistake. You're gone. Yeah. You know, it's big boy rules. You know, that's one thing I, I, I love about that type of organization. That's why I work by myself now. I have my own thing because uh, I can create my own standards. Sure. You know, and I, it's just, it works for me. So competency, integrity. And the last thing he said, this, this is, he said, this is the most important of all three relationships. And that, that was an aha moment for me when he said relationships. And he said, here at the unit, we, we, we value relationships. And he's speaking, you know, writ large to me as an officer, because I'm going to be one of my roles, one of my duties and responsibilities is communicating with other agencies. And I've never been a good communicator. I grew up in knucklehead environment. My parents, zero education, their their communication was through, they, they instilled fear. That was their communication. In the Marine Corps, I, I didn't know how to communicate to the level. I'm, I'm with these army officers, West Pointers, these thoroughbreds. They're, they've just, they've been born and bred yeah. as blue bloods. Their parents were off. Their father was off. You know, these guys are just like amazing. And I'm sure you saw in the Rangers, yeah. Yeah. some of these, some of these army officers, these West Pointers, just amazing amazing soul amazing soldiers and officers but he said the last thing is relationships that will make or break you so while you're here at the unit be mindful of that of the relationships you you make how you relate to your your peers and your your men you know and others because there's going to come a point in time while here at the organization, you're going to be put in a situation where you're going to be looked upon by everyone and you're going to have to make a decision. There's going to come a point in time. It's not a matter of if, it's going to be when, and people are going to be looking at you and you need to make this decision and they need to be able to trust you making that decision. And you you need to, and you need to be able to instill that trust and confidence and that's only that only goes with you know those relationship skills what what did you have that and if you can't talk about it i get it you know oh. no worries. but did you did you have that or do you remember that that point that point where you were faced with that relationship oh. Obstacle? Oh, absolutely a- absolutely every just about every mission <laughs> we went on that's awesome. you know it's a unit yeah. at the unit the missions, the operational tempo, it's insane. Crazy. Yeah. It's insane, especially when the unit was assigned to the Iraq and yep. Afghanistan for all those years. And it's just a meat grinder. And the, 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 the teams, these guys are going out two, three times a day. And they're just yeah. hitting it. They're hitting it. And they're hitting it. And Afghanistan, the unit 
came, I don't want to say late to the game, but the unit, Dev, the damn neck guys had, were tasked with Afghanistan for quite some time. Yeah. yeah. And the unit guys were over there in Iraq. So that's how that was pretty much split up from what I remember. And then uh, the efforts in Iraq started to dwindle down and uh, more initiatives were being placed in Afghanistan. So the unit started sending guys over to Afghanistan and my, my, uh, my uh, unit, my troop was one of the first to go over there and Afghanistan, totally different environment, different terrain, different types of tactics, you know, terrain drives, yeah, tactics, tactics and how you approach it and but the principles remain the same you know the unit prides itself on principles you know and there's principles and that's zen commando uh, a lot of the teachings of my uh curriculum that i talk about and i'm going somewhere with this yeah uh, yeah segue <laughs> into this is perfect yeah. segue relationships into, 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 yeah then commando is all about relationships you know, I picked this up from the unit when that officer planted that seed about how important relationships are. Dude, I'm so yeah. excited to hear about like what this thing has evolved into because of the fact that it's like when I first met you, this was an idea in your head. Yeah. You had it all mapped yeah. out. You said, I have a place in Costa Rica. I yeah. want to teach leadership. And fast forward to now. It's I operational. See videos, but, it's I, operational. but I see videos of you on Instagram completely naked with, with, I think, a spear in the jungles of Costa Rica. And I'm like, what, what is Todd Apowski up to? Going primal. Going primal. Relationships with the monkeys and the freaking trees, being naked and having a beer. It's that's all a, relationships. That's awesome, man. Don't network. And I learned this in business school before I left the Marines. So the, the three things I took away from the unit really were, when I went back to the Marine Corps, my my tour at the unit was four years. The Marine Corps found out I was over there. They wanted me to go back to the Marine Corps to share my knowledge, sure. what I learned. Hey, we want to, you know, what did you learn there? What cool tactics did you learn? I'm like, I didn't. Tactics are tactics, man. Tactics are tactics, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I principles are principles. You know, I learned the same tact. Ranger school, infantry officer course, sniper school. They, they don't... They put their clothes on just like we do. People think it's some secret difference, magical, use the four shit. I tell them, it's like, no, no. no. Angle's an angle. A corner's a corner. Angle's, you know, front uh, side pictures, front side, 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 pictures, front side picture, man. It doesn't change, yeah. You, know, yep. you got to master that first. Yep, yep, yep. So those were the top three things I took away. You know, most importantly, relationships from the unit. That's awesome. And, uh, and I share these when I teach people here uh, when we talk about mindset and um, dealing with uncertainty, you know, problem solving, you know, how to be a problem solver. The unit, no, is not in their vernacular. When, when they're asked to do something, yep. yeah, we'll do it. There's no, no, it's possible. Every, all things are possible. It's a mindset. And they screen people that have this type of mindset that, all things are possible. So uh, relationships I took away, all things are possible, be a problem solver, and contingencies. Rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. You know, 
rehearse the person you want to be. You want to be calm, cool, collective, centered. Um, be that person. Practice doing that. You know, practice envision who you want to be. So I went back to the Marine Corps after the unit, did a couple of years there, uh, decided I was going to retire, left the Marine Corps. I no longer wanted to work for the government, military. I wanted to do something totally 180. So I went up to Silicon Valley. Yeah, heard it. Went up to Silicon Valley. I wanted to learn. I wanted to test myself in a new environment. I wanted to throw myself out there. And I knew tech was important. I, I mean, it's, sure. Silicon Valley now is like Wall Street 50 sure. years ago. Center of gravity, you go to where the center of gravity is. It's a basic military principle. Go to the fight. Go to where the center of gravity is. For me, that was Silicon Valley. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I wanted to learn a new language. I wanted to learn tech. I wanted to understand it and see what I could do. So what would you throw yourself into? Did you just go, hey, I'm here. After you went to Bill Gates and said, hey, dude, hire me. I mean, <laughs> what what you do? How did you manage to get yeah. in there and what route did you take? Someone, someone, sorry. Ah, you're good, you're good. Someone, uh... Or, or did you have a connection there already that, that kind of yeah, someone emailed door? me there they uh one of the tech uh companies they were looking for someone with my background with a uh special ops and also they were looking for someone with a a law degree or an mba uh, i don't know whatever maybe they think you can think I, a little more but uh, <laughs> they wanted that qualification a higher degree special ops background so I sent my resume and did an interview process and was hired and uh, to do some contract uh, security cool. analyst work. And uh, in the end, it didn't work out. And I transitioned from there and hiked the Appalachian Trail. I, I needed a break. I went right from the military right into this. I just wanted to go right into it. And you're at the highest level. I mean, you're, you're working high stress, high level military. Now you're trying to bounce into yeah. some normalcy. That's hard to do, man. And I think, and that's something we focus here too at Zen Commando. And Zen Commando is about, people ask me, what is Zen Commando? What's that about? You know, for me, it's about balance. You know, you can't be commando all the time. <laughs> You can't be commando. You can't out. do CrossFit your whole life 24-7 and not do some yoga. I'm sorry. You're going to break. <laughs> so Zen Commando <laughs> is about what, from my studies of martial arts and Eastern practices, it's about finding the middle way. It's finding that happy median, balancing you as a human being. And that's what Zen Commando is all about. It's about bringing clarity into your life. Can you give an, an example of maybe what somebody comes to the to your course, what, what you do with them? Because I know there's people going, shit, it's an excuse for me to go to Costa Rica, look at that place. But I don't yeah. want to go there and have them throw me in the middle of the jungle and then say, get yeah. home. So, so you, right. That's one option. They can sign up for that course. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's, that's not what that's not what I want. That's not the type of sure. course I advertise the. You know, my, my two primary are the recalibration retreat and the awakened warrior retreat. Okay. And essentially the recalibration retreat 
today's we're living in confusing times. Yeah. You know, times are, I go back to the States and we live in times of confusion. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't know what end is up. I'm, We're at information overload. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Three. How to prioritize which end is up. People are medicated. I, I didn't realize this, but there's a lot of folks medicated. Overmedicated. What's that? Overmedicated. They Overmedicated. Think they, they think medication and from all the commercials that we have, and you know, good as I do, being all these countries, we have, I think we're the only country that does that many medication commercials and people take oh. them. They're, 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 oh, yeah. they're not. It's, it's us. It's, I believe. It's insane. And um, it, it, you mentioned Australia before. It might be Australia or New Zealand, because I remember seeing that they were the only countries that are allowed to advertise you know, ask your doctor about this, ask your doctor about that. When in reality, you know, you shouldn't, your doctor should know what you need, but yeah, people feel like it's, it's like going to a candy store now. Medication is going to solve the issue. Yeah. yeah, And and I, I also feel like a lot of uh, older people, unfortunately, um, I see it in them particularly like to them being healthy is I'm on this, I'm on this, this is keeping these levels down. And it's like, but are you hitting the gym or, you know, and even the news media, you know, I, with the whole COVID-19 pandemic, I think health became um, synonymous with, are you vaccinated? And I mean, whatever your feelings are on that, that's one element, but are you in a comfortable BMI? Are you, are you able to do cardio? I mean, I, I feel like you turn on the news, you'll, you'll never see anything about that. Are you taking good natural supplements that are keeping you away from medication? So are, you're speaking my language, Todd. Yeah. And can you think? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Can you think critically? Yep. Yeah. yeah. And not just going with the crowd. So clarity, that's one of the things I bring to the fight here. I help people to gain clarity up here through the program that I've put together. In my program, my framework, I have a, I have a framework that I've created um, based off of certain things I've learned throughout my life. I, I share with folks that I, I studied combat my entire life. My entire life, I've studied combat, but I never studied peace. I never studied peace. I learned hard skills my whole life. Tonka trucks, hammering a nail, hunting, fishing, (laughs) Marine Corps, shooting guns, processing rooms, kicking in doors, blah, blah. But I never went inward. I never dissected myself as a human being. And that's where it all starts. It all starts up here. So that was one of the things I took away from my time in uh, Silicon Valley, where I spent four years working at a tech company and then doing a startup with a, for, with a couple of friends of mine. Uh, it, it really rounded me out, I believe, going up there, the military, and then going to the Silicon Valley for four years. I got involved in meditation cool. because I was at a point when I, when I was doing the startup a startup, there was three of us, and I was the operations guy, and it was an automotive repair business model. We were using technology to move cars around and uh, connect customers with proper repair shops using technology. And for me, I, it was intense. I was on the verge of breaking. I was losing my mind. Because it was an operationally complex business model that 
I had to navigate, that I had to work through. And it was, it was a great experience because I, 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 we went through investors, we raised money, we went to venture capitalists. I, I went from raising funds to, oper- to developing SOPs, running ops, to scaling the business to where the business has been acquired. And great experience. I got into meditation there because there was a meditation center by my house. And I always was fascinated with meditation, martial arts, Bruce Lee. And that's where I got involved with meditation. Yeah. And that's the second teaching on relationships I, I heard. That was another seed planted into me about the value of relationships. And one day the teacher was talking about relationships and he said, you know, our, we go through our lives and we don't value relationships as we should. Everything you touch, you have a relationship with. Your, the environment, how you see the world is a relate. It's more than just two people. A rela- you, you have a relationship with everything. This coffee mug, the, the environment. And he, he helped me understand and look at things in a different manner and valuing the environment that much more, sure. valuing the things I touch that much more I, and valuing the relationships I have with others that much more. I probably, probably taught you. And I think my family's done that for me more than thing since I've left it all is taking the time, taking actually the time to value it, to look around. Like I, I'm taking the time. I can't imagine how many times you've looked around, just looked in your behind you like, wow. I value all of this because it's just oh. gorgeous. Where when you're in the unit or you're doing ops, you don't really have the time to, you try to enjoy it, but maybe you don't have the time to enjoy it. You don't, or because there's something else pressing on your mind, like going kicking in a door. I, I couldn't, I, I was, I spent, I try, I just try is not an option, but I was never at a state of complete peace. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I, I remember the awesome. first time That's I awesome. went through, um, any type of therapy, the uh, therapist had me read a book on mindfulness. And I never knew about the concept of mindfulness until then. And I think, yeah, living in the present moment for people, it's the, that's the reason we have so many issues. Uh, I don't know that you probably know this better than me. You're so much more well-versed on the Eastern, uh, Far East, uh, you know, philosophy. I think it might be Lao Tzu who said something that was the effect of like, if you're living in the past, you're depressed. If you're living in the future, you have anxiety. And you need to be living in the present. And it really is true. I mean, we spend so much time thinking about, I regret this. I wish I would have done this differently. And then, man, what's this going to look like in a year, five years from now? And people really don't get out and they just, they don't see a sunset. They don't meditate. They don't, you know, all these things that in the present moment, and I know Chris stresses this on the show that like in the present moment, everything is fine. Most of us are doing okay. And we're worried about all these past mistakes we made. And all these things that are going to go wrong in the future, and we don't value the present moment, and really, that's where it's at. That's where that's where it's at, and that's where the Stoics talk about it too, Marcus Aurelius, and that's that's where I learned about relationships for the third time. That seed that Marcus Aurelius uh, speaks about in his book Meditations, which to me is a phenomenal book. If it's like number one reading for me. Marcus Aurelius, amazing philosopher, leader, 
yeah. emperor, warrior. He's a total package guy. You know, you want to you want to take some knowledge and some wisdom, read, read the book Meditations. But he talks about relationships in that book. And he says there's three types of relationships that we need to, uh, I guess, garner or nurture at all times. The relationship you have with yourself, that's numero uno. The relationship with the divine, you can interpret that however you want to interpret that. And then thirdly, the relationship you have with your other mortal souls, with people. So that was a moment I had. I read that. I read that a few times. And I looked back to my time at the unit, my time doing the meditation teachings. And I, I created the three rings of relationships for Zen Commando. And that's one of the things we talk about. That's concept one. I have two concepts we talk about when folks come here. Concept one is relationships. The relationship you have with yourself, the relationship you have with the environment, and the relationship you have with others. And we have to work on each one of those. But the most important relationship is the one you have with yourself. Because you can't have the other two if you don't get the relationship you have with yourself right first. And it's taken me a long time to get my, I, I'm, I'm still a mess, but I recognize that and I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm sharing this. You know, mind, body, spirit. That's us. What are you doing mentally? What's your mindset like? Do you have a growth mind? Are you growth minded? Or are you fixed minded? You know, how do you speak? What, what are your thoughts? How do you speak? How's your behavior? And the, these lessons that I've taken away from my studies of military theory, Eastern philosophy, yoga, Stoicism, Buddhism, Christianity. Yeah, there's common themes that all have. I've taken them all. I've packaged them. So here it is. The ancients had it figured out 2000 years ago. This is amazing because to me, it sounds like you know, Chris often talks about on the show, you talk about like your lowest point where you were at and yeah, then you needed yeah. to, as you say, fix yourself, unfuck yourself. That unfuck thing. yourself. It, it sounds like had you have known Todd Apowski and had he had Zen Commando set up at the time, <laughs> like that would be the perfect place to go. <clears throat> and again, that new mindset to go for how long, Todd? Like a week, two weeks? How yeah, long do guys we do spend? Five, day, five days we do. We do five say, day packages. And that's, that's, but he's saying exactly, he's, he's giving people a place to do that. Where here's the tools. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've learned, especially with veterans or people dealing with trauma, PTSD, uh, bad things, you got to get them out of the environment. Yeah. You got to get them out of the environment. I'm working with someone now overseas and they're in a hell of a situation. And the only solution I can offer them is, hey, you need to get out of your environment. Yeah. It's just harmful to you. You know, I, I offer you come down to Zen Commando for as long as you want. It's not going to be a free lunch. You have to work to stay. But <laughs> I'm offering my place for you. But you need to change the environment. You you are, brother, you're, you're spot on. There, you know, there is a reason I moved from Nebraska to Kansas when I did. You know, things had gotten great in Nebraska, but there still is those little memories that trigger those traumatic events, whether it was there in Omaha or whether it was overseas. This is where I started to experience mentally the traumatic events when I came home to Omaha. 
So whenever I'd come home, I'd see something or I'd smell something. And, and you know the deal, Todd. But that was that was one of the reasons we moved is because I needed to get out of Omaha so I could not have those little triggers that I would see that may be completely unrelated to what I was actually traumatically thinking. But those bad thoughts all happened there. So whenever I came home to Omaha, it wasn't home anymore. It was a place of continuous trauma going through my head, whether it happened in Omaha or not. And that was one of the best things I did was, was move. I, I know a lot of people can't do that though. Right. But I was able to, let's get the hell out of here. All right. right. Family, love you. We're back together. Reconcile with my wife. I'm getting my shit together. There's still one thing I'm missing or there's one piece that's still screwing me up. What is it? And it's a little selfish because I'm saying screwing me up, but got to get right with self. It's here. It's, it's where I'm at. It's my environment. Let's get the fuck out of here. And it, right. it, 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 dude, as soon as I was out, it was like that 60 pound rucksack on that 40 mile walk. It's off. And it yeah. felt so much better. So much better. So you're spot on, man. Off. You cut away that rucksack. I lived in California for 16 years. Beautiful place. Right. Yeah. Beautiful state. But it was toxic for me. Yeah. Toxic's a great word. Perfect. Perfect. It word. was toxic for me in many ways. You know, I was aggravated. I, I, it was just very toxic for me. I had to move. You know, I, I had to cut away. And that's why I moved here to Costa Rica. And this... It was kind of like going in the Marine Corps. I never thought in a million years would I be living in Costa Rica, talking <laughs> hablo espanol, <laughs> rice and beans. I go, never. My parents are rolling <clears throat> over in their grave right now. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? Yeah. But it's been a great experience in Costa Rica. You know, this offers me, it provides me the environment of nature where I can bring people, sure. this is medicine. Nature is a drug. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, chi or prana, call it whatever you want. You know, food, you know, we talk about food being fuel. Zen Commando, we focus on air. Air is your food. Yeah. How do you breathe? How, how do you practice your breathing? You talk yeah. about some sort of centering and key or chi, depending if you're Chinese or Japanese, whatever. It's I all, completely agree. Air is energy. It's huge. Air is powerful. And one of the things I teach here is how to uh, leverage that air, you know, to, to maximize your full potential. Because in essence, my Zen Commando, the tagline per se, suffer less, perform more. Suffer less, perform more. That's what I'm about. We all suffer. Yeah. We all suffer. That's the first noble truth of uh, Buddhism is suffering. We all are suffering. You know, Jesus Christ died for to why? Our suffering, our sins. It's all the same stuff. And the sooner you realize that we all suffer in one way or another you can understand a little bit more then you understand those root causes of suffering, which there's really only a few, you know, and again, I wrote, I've extrapolated those few things from my learnings and I present it to people when they come here and I go, Hey, here's the three things. It's that simple. You know, which one are you? Oh, ignorance. You might want to <laughs> learn. You might want to gather some more information. Oh, ego. 
Let's work on that. You know, oh, you can't control your impulses, your desires. Let's work on that. You know, let's work on creating positive habits. You know, environments, great leaders, the best leaders are those that are masters of their environment. Yeah. They don't have to ever engage with people, but if they know how to set up their environment, and this is where parenting comes in. I'm not a parent, so, but I do know leadership principles. You know, and I grew up, I had great parents. You know, I made my bed when I woke up. I, I cleaned, you know, house was in an orderly manner. Discipline. Organized, it was feng shui. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was a safe environment. You know, you need to, you need to create that environment and great leaders that they're able to influence others by how they manage the environment. Does that make sense? Yep. Not, con not control it, but manage it. Manage right? Because control, that's where I think a lot of people lose it because you can't control your, you can't control your environment. Yeah. But you can manage it and set it up. Yep. You know, it's like at the unit, the environment, the envi the unit, the environment there was set up for success. It was organized. There was a structure. And when we talk about the second ring of relationships here, we go in depth. Each day we spend uh, a module. One day we spend on just introspection, looking at yourself, figuring out the things you need to work on. Then another day we talk about the environment. You know, what's your environment like? Is it structured? Is it orally? Is it safe? Is it secure? You can pick this stuff. You can pick. You don't like the United States. If you don't like where you're living, guess what? You can move to another state. You can move to Costa Rica. I mean, you can, shit. You can you. move. Exactly. Exactly. There's a will. There's a way. I don't want to, you know, don't, I, don't, I don't like excuses. Don't tell them. Work harder. Yeah. Drink water. <laughs> take some drink water. Get some hundred mile hour take. Keep, keep that fucking ankle up and keep moving. Keep moving. That's right. I'm, I'm drinking my right. water. I always have my, it, my gallon it, here. It's it's so I, I know we're going long, but it's so awesome and it comes right back. This is a perfect circle. It comes right back to fundamentals. Fundamentals they, in living, fundamentals in tactics. It's always fundamentals. There is no fucking secret sauce, special forces. Use the well, four Star Wars Jedi mind trick. It is fucking fundamental. We have to base. We have to master the base of being humans. We've yes. lost that, I believe. I I, I love technology. You know, technology is awesome, but we have to be able to manage it. We have to be masters of ourselves. We have to learn about respect. You have to learn how to respect yourself. What you project is what you reflect. We have to work humans. We're animals, but we have reason. We, we have the ability to have logic. We're designed to cooperate. We know the science is there. You know, we are designed to be a community, to cooperate with one another. But when I go back to the States, I see more individualism than ever, ever. You know, people don't want to, people don't want to talk to one another. They'll, they'll talk through. I was in a situation where someone texted me on my phone. They were in the room next to an adjacent room. I'm not calling anyone out. Uh, but it blew me away. I got up. I'm like, hey, with my knife hand. Hey. <laughs> 
what's wrong with you it is true man i i, I you know i'll quote alex jones here because i've heard him say it but we're we're becoming transhuman that's what it is <laughs> we're becoming you know just one with technology completely and, and that technology should be a tool it shouldn't be everything yeah. and yeah i think people cool. have lost the ability to communicate the, the ability of all of that because of technology um and just one thing i was going to ask is we are you know we'll wrap things up here but so you're in costa rica by yourself now away from everybody right this is just your own thing besides when clients come there to see you right i i'm here uh solo i i do online coaching you know each day i have a pretty decent client base and um for for the listeners it's zencommando.com pretty simple google zen commando there's only one you're gonna <laughs> come across this one but, they might yeah, come across the naked video in uh they might come across the, the naked guy with the spartan helmet and the spear <laughs> yeah. what's the story behind that you gotta at least tell us like what was the story behind that because i came across on instagram and i'm like is todd on something is he just like living his best life as they say no i came across this thing called i wanted to create a youtube channel yeah i wanted to i learned in tech i wanted to do my own thing and this is one of my first marketing tools i knew tech is important you know creating that social media presence you need to have a youtube channel well you don't need to but it helps instagram youtube facebook sure. website so i was playing I, i'm trying to figure out final there's the technology the the video editing tools and the cameras it's an art it is it's an art the right microphone the right camera tripods and i'm a knuckle dragger i'm a hombre de cueva you know, i tell my tico friends hey hey amigo joe estoy hombre de cueva i licked That's windows and doorknobs my entire life my spanish is slow the f down <laughs> yes you did <laughs> that's how i say slow down now no much rapido no uh, no rapido. Yeah, slow down, <laughs> so I'm, I'm was just trying to figure out my my purpose was that was trying to figure out how to use my video tools you know my iphone tripods how to splice video so that was one of my first videos of uh, and i'm like what can i do do and i had this spartan helmet there that i got from greece there's some history behind that because i found I, I went i always wanted to go to sparta after reading the gates of fire thermopylae <laughs> it's like sparta is one of these places you gotta visit so when i went to sparta i a spartan helmet you know <laughs> yeah i gotta grab a spartan <laughs> This is some Zen Commando stuff. So I had the Zen Commando helmet here, the Spartan <laughs> helmet, and I had a walking stick and the river's right over by my house. So I'm like, ah, I'll just put together a little video of this naked guy walking <laughs> through the jungle, going to the river. And I'll see, just put it together. So that was, was cool. uh, that was the premise behind that one. There was really no intent. Just trying to figure out how to use Final Cut Pro but it's oh also God. just you being completely comfortable and saying this is who i am i think this you know is, and and yeah. i think that's what attracts people like when i previously worked at at soft rep right like, where i met you 
um, Nick Cahill, who was our photographer and videographer, and he he went to um, Burning Man every year, and he had this idea in mind that sounds insane. He goes, I want to skydive into Burning Man naked. And, <laughs> and he did it. It was it was like a trip. And, you know, I think this is life. Like, you only get to experience it once. And for you to put up the video like that, people could go, what the yeah. fuck is this guy doing? But for you, it's just like, this is me in nature, yeah. being me, expressing myself. And I think people will get the idea that they come there to Costa Rica and they could be completely free of all this stress and all this, yeah. you know, everything by the book and everything uniform. And you're kind of just doing your own path there. Yeah. And part of that, Ian, to your point, freedom. We, we can look at that many ways. What, how, how you define freedom, uh, freedom to do whatever you choose to do or freedom from what bonds you and holds you as a slave. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the freedom that I seek. You know, and that, that only comes through detachment, you know, for a long time through my life, you know, I only knew one person, what I, the person I was told to be. I, it was only when I left the military and I was able to detach myself and, and this is traumatizing for some folks, you know, teaching them, giving them the tools of how to detach from these traumas that they may have be holding on to since they were kids. You know, and that's something I share with people with how to detach from that. Sure. You know, how to detach. You're leaving the military. You're about to become a civilian. Guess what, partner? You need to redefine yourself. You need to find a new purpose. Otherwise, you're going to fall on your face. New purpose, new goals. Just new set, purpose, new, new, new goals. Yep. You have to wipe or <clears throat> clean and start afresh. And I, that's where I help vet with, with veterans find that new clarity. That's you awesome. Know, redefine themselves. And it starts with figuring out who you are first, what your passions are. You know, what tools do you bring to the fight? You know, and for me, uh, you know, mindset is very important to me. You know, of all the things that I've gone through, it's always been my, mo my mother used to say, never let them see you sweat. Never let them yeah. see you sweat. Never let them see you sweat. You know, she, she would say, it's all in your head, Todd. It's all in your head, Todd. <laughs> you know, you go in the Marine Corps, mind over matter, mind over matter, mind over matter. You listen to these gurus, uh, Joe Dispenza, these geniuses. It's all up here. It's all up here. You know, it starts up here, rewiring this. And it's amazing. Yeah. You're, it, the battles are truly won from within. And the strongest weapon you have in your arsenal is up here. And all things are possible. All things are possible, and it starts with the relationship you have with yourself, getting yourself right, figuring it out who you are, gaining clarity into your life. You know, decision, clarity, clarity comes with awareness. That's why we focus yep. a lot on meditation here. Meditation and breath work, that's, that's the medicine I sell. You know, meditation and breath work, breathing, how to properly breathe, how to quiet the monkey mind. I love that. The monkey mind and quieting that. 
focusing on internal friction, which is a military, you're talking yeah. about military theory, you have two types of friction, external and internal. The goal is to reduce as much internal friction in your life as humanly possible. Reduce internal friction. You know, reduce suffering. Manage. I see these people, I go home, they have so much stuff. Things in there. Oh, I'm like, ah, I have maybe five rubber made containers of things. That is it. I, I kept one Marine uniform. I, I, the more you have, the more you have to manage. Yeah. You know, it's these basic principles. Less is more. It is. So essentially Zen Commando, it's all about uh, helping others to suffer less and optimizing their performance through different methods of, of thinking, of bringing structure. You'd be amazed. There's people that do not have structure in their life. Some of the folks that come here, they're all over the place. Their shock group is all over <laughs> the market. <laughs> you have to tighten that shock group up. Got it. And it comes, how do you tighten a shock group? Principles remain the same, even with pistol marksmanship, marksmanship in general. Your mm -hmm. foundation, let's look at your stance, where are your feet at? Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's basic stuff. Space. When it comes to human behavior, security, and that's a whole nother episode, another concept that <laughs> I teach security. You know, security is the cornerstone of successful relationships. That's a whole nother diatribe. Yeah. We won't even go down that route. <laughs> but principle, first principle of patrolling, don't violate security. Don't violate MOFO security. You know, I learned that in ranger school. Otherwise, you're going to wake up with a gas mask. Party Sims and yeah, you know, I knew that, this was I knew this was going to be a great episode because I, I just feel like there's so much insight into here and also just learning your backstory. I, I love this. Yeah. I think if you put out a book, I mean, I think the way people are inspired by a guy like Dave Goggins, I think people would love to hear this type of stuff. I, I would certainly read it. But yeah, check out ZenCommando.com at ZenCommando on Instagram. Uh, last thing before we wrap up here, Chris, I know you real quickly wanted to mention with E3 Firearms, someone who reached out to you. Oh, who, um, oh yeah. You know, they, they bonded with their father over the show. And then yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I just mentioned that for sure. Got it, we got a message and it was important to me. Uh, a gentleman by the name of, of Chris, I, won't, I, I, I Hans ID there. I didn't check his last name out, Chris, but uh, he said that he listened to the podcast and I know he's going to listen. He was, he was getting ready for this one, Todd. Um, but uh I think this is going to be great for him too because his father just passed away and he said that was one of his things his father who's a seven-year vietnam veteran seven years in vietnam not just oh. a seven-year vet but seven seven years said him and his father would uh would listen to the podcast that's what they would do together so i think this episode for this next one for this coming up chris is going to listen to it man brother i, I think you might get a might get an email from him man i think this is going to be awesome so uh thanks chris for saying that as well and and Todd knew that we planned it this way, but I think it worked out perfectly for what Chris is going through right now. Yeah. And, and you guys, thanks for having me on this. I appreciate Absolutely. it. For the listeners, it's an honor. For the listeners, Zen Commando 24-7. If anyone needs anything, I'm here. Awesome. Yeah. I've had people reach out for me. They're contemplating taking a pistol to their 
to their head. And so yeah. I picked up the phone. You know, the, you know, I'm here for people. That's the purpose. That's my goal. That's my vision. That's awesome. the quest to, to set people up for success. You know, and, and success is whatever you want it to be. You know, to me, it's just accomplishing actions on objective, ranger style. You know, that's it. What's success? <laughs> accomplishing objectives on objective, right? That's what you got to do. You do. So you do. actions on objective. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're yeah. awesome, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. And thank again, you're, you're a warrior. You're a warrior, but you're also, you are. You're a Zen master, and I, I love it. Be like water, man. That's all I kept thinking when you're, be like water. Be, be Bruce Lee and Yip Man. I, I read, read about Yip Man and Bruce Lee's, it, oh, dude, that, people think Bruce Lee was awesome. Read about his master. Read about oh. Yip Man. Oh, my God. But that's his memory. Just flow with it. Go with it. Go with the environment. Yeah. And that's where your naked walk through the water was. was he just going with the environment. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, he's just going with the environment, man. He just be like water. He's just flowing, which is awesome. So God bless you, man. You're awesome, bro. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you so much. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoparanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never quit. quit.